You are listening to the Bible Brush Up Podcast. This is our 40 days of purpose as we continue to look through portions of the Old Testament. And recently we have gotten into the life of King David. We covered some of the aspects of Saul and compared and contrasted David's personality and David's faith with Saul's. And we looked at some of the failures of Saul versus some of the greater holy qualities of David. Uh, But as we continue to look at the life of David and some of the details surrounding his reign, we are going to have to examine two different threads that run through this portion of Scripture, one of them being God's holiness and his sovereignty as he works through the Davidic uh, monarchy. And we last time looked in the previous episode at the Davidic covenant and how God is going to uphold David's family line as a standard and as a um, foundational piece of the messianic promises that are going to complete both the Abrahamic covenant and the Mosaic covenant and bring them all to a culmination in the person of Jesus Christ. But as we're looking at God's sovereignty there, we see that it is by God's hand that David is protected and provided for. And on numerous occasions, David would be killed and removed from the storyline completely if it weren't for God stepping in to the story and bringing miraculous provisions that otherwise would have left David dead. And uh, this is one of the themes that I think you cannot ignore as you look through the book of 1 and 2 Samuel. We already talked about Saul pursuing David on multiple occasions, trying to kill him, chasing him in the wilderness. And on numerous occasions, David had the opportunity to kill Saul, but does not lift his hand against God's anointed. And so that shows David's respect and his um, really his fear of the Lord where he's going to trust in God and God alone to remove the problem. He is not going to take matters into his own hands. And that's one of David's greatest qualities as he continuously refuses to defend himself. Even in some of our more recent chapters, as David is running from his son, Absalom, God provides for him there. And as David's on the run, there are people that are cursing him and calling him uh, numerous names that are degrading. And yet David will not stand up against these people. He does not avenge himself when he's on the run. And once Absalom has been uh, eliminated from the picture and David's being reappointed as king, on his way back, he confronts this man who was spewing out insults at the king, and the men with David want to kill this man, but David just won't do it. He will not lift a finger against someone to avenge himself. That's just not David's personality. It's not where his heart is. And so this is one of the great qualities of David, is that he trusts in God and he allows vengeance to be God's, not his own. And David, his rise to power here and his continuous maneuvering around these threats show that God is putting his hand of protection upon David and he's allowing him to um, overcome in these scenarios that really shouldn't unfold that way. Uh, one passage that I thought was very fascinating is in 2 Samuel seventeen fourteen, and this was when Absalom has brought the counsel of Ahithophel, and the council of Hushai together. And Hushai is an ally of David who is incognito. He is uh, pretending to be a counselor for Absalom, but really he is trying to protect David. And so Ahithophel has been a grand counselor for David, and they say that when he spoke, it was as if it was from God. That's what the scriptures say. 
But in this case, when Hushai gives an order and uh, an amount of counsel that would redirect the armies of Absalom and would provide a better chance and a better outcome for David, it says in this passage that the Lord had ordained to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring harm upon Absalom. So even the people and their ability to reason and their ability to make decisions and to weigh good counsel, God is sovereignly disrupting the normal uh, cause and effect and the normal uh, intellectual capacity and the processes that go into making decisions and choosing things. All of that has been disrupted by God because he has ordained, he has chosen to push the people towards this advice of Hushai so that David will be delivered. And that's just one among many situations where God goes in and he has chosen to do something and he disrupts the, the normal flow of things. And this theme is prevalent here in the scriptures. And so God's protection of David is clearly recognized, and he eliminates Absalom. Absalom getting caught in a tree is divine intervention. That doesn't happen every day. You don't ever go riding and then get caught in a tree with your hair. But just a few verses before that happens, it said that on that day of battle, even though thousands of people were dying, it says that the forest claimed more lives than swords. Now, that should cause you to stop and pause and wonder, how in the world is that possible? Absalom's not the only guy who gets caught up in the tree that day. As these men are battling and as they are weaving in and out of the forest, the trees, the thorns, the thistles, uh, numerous plants, maybe wildlife, we don't know what all was involved there. Uh, they should make a movie about that. But the forest is chewing up the armies of Israel and it is sparing the armies of Judah, who are protecting David. And so God is working sovereignly, even through the forest, to bring David back to the throne. Because God has made a promise to David, and it is not being fulfilled through Absalom. Absalom doesn't even have an heir to pass the throne onto, it says. And so this would really disrupt the promise to David. Um, Absalom could fulfill the role of king as uh, David's son, but if he doesn't have another heir, then that would break the, uh, the chain right there. So Solomon is going to be the one who is going to take up this throne. It's um, going to be given to him. But we won't talk about that today. I want to continue on this idea of God's sovereignty as one thread and God's goodness and holiness and provision for David as one thread, but then the chaos in the story as another thread. And if all of David's rise to power and his um, protection and provision is a story of God's sovereignty, then all the chaos in the story is really a result of man's depravity. Uh, the evil of men is bringing about all of these negative circumstances in the books of First and Second Samuel. And if you think back a little ways, the people came to Samuel and they wanted a king. They wanted a king so that they could be unified and they could go out to battle and the king would just solve all their problems. But what we're looking at here and what we're seeing is that even though we have someone like David who is recognized as a great king, 
The people are still divided. We have people cursing David when he's on the run. We have some people standing up for him and providing provisions, giving him food and food for his men. We have some people that are angry that they're not being treated favorably and equally by the king, like the Israelites who come to um, David when he's on his way back into Judah and to Jerusalem. And they're angry about how the Judites are the ones leading David in his procession back to the throne. And they say, we've got 10 tribes and you've only got two. We, we should have more of a share in David than you even do. So there's all this disunity and commotion going about because of the jealousy and um, this, this um, tribalism and territorialism that is in the hearts of men. We naturally want our share and we want to be favored and we do not want to see anybody rise in the ranks above ourselves. That's why Absalom tries to take the throne from David in the first place. This is why there are constant feuds over the throne going forward in Israel and kings kill other kings and um, people want to eliminate the kings so that they can rise through the ranks. This is nothing new. These are things that have happened since the beginning of time and not just in the biblical story, but you can research other kingdoms and the people who are in charge and there's always a threat on the king's life because someone wants to kill the king so that they can be king. That's the evil of mankind. And that is a prevalent part of this storyline. But there's one thing that I think we should stop and maybe talk about is that the evil isn't just in an evil group of people. The evil in this part of the story is actually in everybody, including the good guys, the heroes. We think of David as being the hero and as being the good guy, but yet this portion of Scripture shows us that there is even evil inside of his heart. And most of us are very familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba, and so reading that afresh this week or last week has hopefully reminded you that even human earthly heroes have their failures and David certainly did, even though David is a man with a golden heart and really has that tendency to do the right thing. He is prone to weakness, and he does fall short. And then what happens when he falls into sin is that he so hates the idea of being perceived as a sinner that he begins to try to cover up the sin and hide it from everybody. And that's what sin does. Sin gives birth to more sin, usually. And so until it's dealt with and dealing with it is very hard and shameful and it's a process of humility. And until we can get to that point and deal with our sin, we'll often heap up sin upon sin to cover sin. And that's exactly what happens here with David. David's not the first hero to encounter sin. We go back to um, just any character, really, in the biblical narrative, and we can go to Moses, and Moses, who was a great guy, and he endured much from the people, the hard-hearted, obstinate people of Israel. Still, at the end of the story, he commits an error which permit, uh, prevents him from entering the promised land. And so there are consequences for his sin. We can think back to Abraham. And Abraham, though he was a man of faith and he launched out into a venture to go to the promised land without even knowing where he was going and he trusted God and it was counted to him for righteousness, still he took a shortcut to try to get to the fulfillment of those promises by sleeping with Hagar and uh, birthing Ishmael. 
through her. And so this was an error in Abraham's character. It shows that there was still sinfulness and there are still degree of doubt and distrust, even though there is a high degree of faith and trust. And so David is no exception to this. And almost every character in scripture, you will find some measure of weakness and some point of messing up. And David has just witnessed Saul do this. We had a whole episode where we talked about Saul's good character traits, but deep down inside of that relatively and a, a seemingly good man was a bunch of evil. And when the evil was unleashed, it was really unleashed and it completely overcame him. And he turns into this evil villain rather than a good king. And this is just a reminder that deep down inside of us, there is still sin. Sin remains in us until um, we are completely put into a glorified body. And so we have to keep that in check. We have to rely on Christ daily by the renewing of our mind, um, by the reading of scripture, through prayer, through fellowship, through accountability. Um, there are numerous measures laid out in scripture for us to uh, continue to grow in sanctification because if we do not, sin is crouching at the door. It wants to consume us and it will if we are not careful. That's why the book of 1 Corinthians tells us in chapter 10 to be careful lest we fall. And so this is a reminder uh, from this portion of Scripture that that is a high possibility. And David has seen Saul make these errors, and the result was that the kingdom was ripped from him. And God's Spirit that was anointing him was removed from him. And now David has made a sin that probably, if you were to compare David's sin to Saul's sin, you might say that David's was even worse. Saul refused to kill, and David took innocent life. And you might say, well, which one's worse? Sparing life that God said to kill or to kill somebody that God didn't say to kill? Um, and so you could measure that however you want. Um, they're both sins, but the fact is that David took innocent life, and he uh, committed sexual immorality, and then he tried to cover it up, and he was lying to the people and putting himself out there as righteousness. All of this is worthy of having the kingdom ripped from you as well. And so if you go to Psalm 51, David writes a song about this, and in that psalm he um, pours out that he is a sinner, and he begs for God to forgive him and wash away his iniquity. And he says, do not take your spirit from me. He begs God to leave the spirit of anointing upon him because he recognizes that what he has done is worthy of it being removed. It, he, is, he is not in a privileged position where he deserves anything less than what happened to Saul. He knows that that can happen and probably should happen. But for whatever reason, God's grace here is extended to David, and he does not take the kingdom from him, and he does not take his spirit from him. The spirit of God remains on David, and David grows from this point, and he uh, pursues God in holiness. However, there are consequences for that sin. A lot of what we see with Absalom and a lot of what we see with the death of uh, David's son that's birthed from Bathsheba there, all of that are consequences of that sin. And so though God may forgive us of our sin, though God um, may not abandon his promises to us, 
our sin does come with consequences. It must be disciplined. It must be dealt with. And uh, we can thank Jesus Christ, the uh, great, 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 great grandson of David, that he was willing to come and to take the punishment for our sins so that all of the uh, eternal consequences, at least, of sin were dealt with on the cross. However, our sin today still comes with earthly consequences, and we need to be careful because it doesn't just affect us. Um, so these are some of the lessons we can learn from David's reign, and we will pick back up with the storyline when we get to um, David's son and the new king of Judah and Israel, King Solomon, next time on the Bible Brush Up Podcast.